Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today helps local businesses get more traffic with local SEO and Google ads. Welcome to the show, Liz Cortez. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Can you tell the audience a little bit about your background history? You have an interesting journey that I think they would like to hear about as well. Yes, thank you. Yeah, so my journey to become an entrepreneur started when I was really young. So I was five years old and I went and sold baby pumpkins door to door for fun. I have no clue how I figured out to do this and why I wanted to make money at five years old. But I wanted to, and I'm thankful my mom homeschooled me and my three younger sisters. So she was a great developer and she let us do our things. Like she let me sell stuff and babysit starting at nine years old for neighbors. So I started working young and wanting to make money for whatever reason. Fast forward, I moved to California after graduating college and I was in the fitness world. And in 2009, I took my fitness business online. So that's when I started learning online marketing and became a fitness influencer back then before Instagram was out. So I got popular on YouTube and built all the online stuff that is normal for everyone to do now. I was doing back then a long time ago and closed down that business when my husband and I opened up our agency that we have now, which is Rebel Fish Local. And we opened that seven years ago. So we've been working together for seven years. I felt like it's hard to build two businesses at one time. So that's when I decided to let go of the fitness. And I thought I could help a lot more people going down the business route than just health and fitness stuff, even though I really love that world too still. That That's interesting that you were babysitting people at nine years old because, I mean, that's usually the age that you're still getting babysat at. Right. And I think it's illegal in most states uh, to do that. I think I'm in California and I've heard parents that have high schoolers that don't leave their high schoolers home with their children. So I don't know. I was in Idaho at that time. So I don't know if that was legal back then. But yeah, then I started homeschooling other kids at 12 because oh, wow. parents couldn't figure out how to homeschool their kids. I'm the oldest of four. I think that's where entrepreneur leadership and all that got started pretty young. Probably wow. not the best thing to start doing. <laughs> Maybe not let your children work that young. You can become a workaholic and then work on that stuff later on in life to not do that and have balance. But I'm thankful my mom let me hustle when I was young. <laughs> Yeah. And who knows what, if there were rules back then in regards to that stuff. I know now though, like just to even set up a lemonade stand, I think you have to get a permit or something in some places. Oh my goodness. How do you encourage your kids are entrepreneurial? That'd be a fun podcast or something to talk about. Not me. I don't have any children. So I'm wanting to do kind of a series on kid entrepreneurs, but it's kind of difficult to find kid entrepreneurs. I only have one lined up so far and I don't have kids either. So, but I just think it would be interesting because when I was a kid, I had the entrepreneurial spirit as well. Like I would gather up pencils and candy that I got for free at whatever, and then sell them to my friends. They would come over and I'd have a desk set up with all the stuff they could buy. I'm like, do you want to buy anything? 
That is so awesome, Sarah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't remember if anyone did, but anyway. So tell me about the, well, I'm kind of curious how you got the name Rebel Fish. So originally we thought about starting this agency and a friend of mine who was pretty big or still is in online marketing was like, don't start your own agency. Go get a job for someone else that already has a seven figure agency. Learn from them. Then you can start your own after you work for them for a year or so. My husband was like, okay, sure, I'll go do that. But we're also very loyal people. And so we're like, we're not going to steal their ideas and rip them off and all that. So we were working there for six months because I came on to part time because they needed another salesperson. And I'm like, sure, I will not come into an office and I will work from home and I'll do my own hours and I will sell. So we helped that company grow from 42,000 a month to 65,000 a month. And we worked there for less than six months. And Robert, so my husband was making $10 per hour doing cold calling. And then I had two other people that did cold calling and cold emailing for me. And then they would book appointments with me. And then I would sell a package to these doctors. And so I'd only sell reputation services. The offer, it was really cool. It was recording at Google Hangout. This is right when Google Hangouts first came out. And back then Google Hangouts was like YouTube Live kind of thing like that back then. And that was 2014. So we did that. And so when I, we wanted to start our own company because half the company got let go because the owner gambled away all the money. Don't buy bad debt. You mm. could lose it. That was 2014. I don't know how it is now. I don't know why you want to buy debt and how you make money from that. That does not sound good, but he lost a lot of money and let go half the company. So that was an easy exit for us, which was really hard. And we didn't know what we were going to do next because we were making some good money. Like we didn't plan on leaving. It was just such an easy job to sell this package and it really worked. So we wanted to name our company Reputation RX. However, I'm glad we did not name our company that wasn't available. And we came up with Rebel Fish Local instead, which that allowed us to work with more local businesses, not just doctors and not just reputation review services. So if your listeners are thinking about a name, think about the big picture, what you want to do. Don't pick something that will like pigeonhole you into a certain box. So Rebel Fish Local, the Rebel is our five core values and the local is our five step SEO process that came after the name because I like to have little stories, but we came up with it because we believe like Jesus was a rebel. We do things a little rebelish over here and we would rather try on a strategy, apologize later for it. If it doesn't work, <laughs> if the client doesn't like it, we don't have permission. Our clients are like, I want to review this first. We're like, no, we're just going to post and put it out there. And we're like, just trust us. This is going to work. And if it doesn't, we'll do another strategy. Okay. So we're kind of like that. So that's how we picked that. And then local because local businesses. So those are doesn't mean just in San Diego. That means you want to have customers or clients or patients within 10 miles of your physical location. So that's our specialty is people that want like people that are local in their area. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So like online businesses, you guys can work with anyone around the world. I can work anywhere, but I even promote with online businesses or coaches, Etsy stores, have a local presence and how you can be found locally is having a Google business page. Mm. So that's free. And if you work from home, you just hide your address. 
because you don't want people coming to your home or knowing <laughs> where you live. And you can't put a P.O. box on your Google page. You have to have a real address, physical address. So you just sign up for it and then you can hide it. And then that will help when people are Googling who live in your city, it will help you show up if you have your profile filled out correctly. Oh, okay. So if someone is just getting started, what do you recommend for how they should start with online marketing? Obviously, I guess doing a Google My Business. Is that what's called Google My Business? So they just changed the name. It used to be called Google My Business. They just changed it to Google Business Profile. Oh, well, that kind of makes more sense. They just only removed the my, which (laughs) is very confusing. And all everyone is still saying the my, but I think it's been like a month or two since they changed it. Oh, okay. So it's not called GMB. It's GBP. That's so weird. I can't say it <laughs> anymore. That's the first thing. That for sure I'd say is first. You don't even have to have a website yet. You could just have put the address or phone number in there, but you could start and get that without a website while you're building your website. When we have clients that are opening up a new location, we always start with that 30 days out before your opening. So if someone's launching a business, you create that and you could start getting reviews. You could start having Google pay attention to you before you even launch your website. So I'd say the first thing would be Google business profile. And then the second I would say is choose your content, your favorite content platform. So like you're doing podcasting, mm-hmm. maybe someone else likes to do and well, you're doing video too. So it's like, is YouTube your thing? Is podcasting? Is it blogging? Whatever you like to naturally do, pick one of those to create content. Because these days, business owners, you could have if you're a bigger company, and you have staff that could create the content, but most, most of the business owners need to be the one creating the content and teaching and getting your face out there. And I imagine with that Google business profile page that just simply having that my even if someone isn't local that's searching for you, I wonder if you're more likely to show up in Google just because you have, like show up higher on the page results just because you have a Google business profile. So not nationally, the only way to show up in Google Maps, the three pack, so there's three that show up on Google Maps three pack when you Google something and not all the time, there'll be like ads and then the next section will be Google Maps and then it'll be organic websites that rank because they have SEO that they've done Mm -hmm. search engine optimization in the back of your website when you write your blog or your website page, it will have like a box that says SEO. So I don't know if your people are like Wix or Squarespace. We do mostly WordPress. Mm-hmm. So we do that. I don't know. Which one do you do for yours? Oh, uh, WordPress. WordPress. Okay. So then you're, you're like us, you, you know that. But most, I'd say most people that are just starting their business don't go to WordPress. They're like, I'm seeing WordPress. Oh, it's confusing. <laughs> but if you have that money like that you're starting up with, I would say go straight to WordPress. It's going to show up on Google. That's where you'd want to invest. So mm-hmm. your money is on that website on WordPress and pick that content platform that you really want to focus on that you like doing that's I think going to be really really key when you first start yeah it's funny you mentioned the whole WordPress thing because when I started out I did do I tried Wix Weebly I never did Squarespace but I feel like there were some other things and everyone's like oh you got to do WordPress but it was just so overwhelming to me but then I finally switched because there was this particular plugin that was only available on WordPress and once you get past the initial learning curve it's easy but it's you can customize the website so much 
more than any of those other builders. Right. Exactly. That's why yeah, our code guy hates working on those templates on those websites. Mm -hmm. He's like, please do not sell. So we really try. We he's like, please do not sell any packages or take on clients that need work done on any of those because he's yeah he can't customize stuff and he's he can build everything from scratch if he wanted to yeah. or mm -hmm. our client really wants something like he can do all that but yeah it's definitely it's gotten so much easier the page builders are way better we use elementor mm -hmm. page builder that one it's just been amazing it's just really things have come around and so i hope to see wordpress get a better reputation and yeah. not to be confusing and i think it's starting to change with that page builder the I think that the people that created it are from Israel and they're just really, oh, really? they just have created really great page builder. We switched all of our clients for no charge. A few years ago, we were just like, we're the ones we did choose some, but we, yeah, we, I think everyone, I can't think of any clients that are not using WordPress and Elementor just because it's so much easier. And we also switched since your WordPress, I don't know, yeah. are we geeking out too much for the podcast? <laughs> we use the Plugin. So when we talk about plugins on WordPress, that just is like an app kind of for mm -hmm. your word to make it easier to use WordPress. But we use Rank Math SEO. Okay. That's a plugin. So there's a lot of people use Yoast. That was another thing that we changed. We changed all of our clients over to Rank Math. We just like it better. And it, you could just use the free version. That's totally cool. We are paid because we have, that's what we do for a living and everything. But the free one works pretty, pretty well. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I use Yoast. So. Yes. so speaking of websites, do you recommend putting your prices on websites? That's actually something I've wondered about. I've heard pros and cons to both sides and wondering what your thoughts are. Yes, I do recommend putting your prices up on websites. And I, I worked with a coach recently, a Facebook ads coach, and he was anti-prices because he's like if you sell high ticket so depending on your industry high ticket it could be a thousand dollars package could be high ticket to your person like if you were in the fitness industry and a fitness thing costs a thousand dollars even three hundred dollars could be considered high ticket a high ticket would mean someone's probably not going to buy it off of your website page unless you have a phone call with them or they get on a webinar and they can ask their questions. They're not typically going to buy straight from your website. But the reason why that's, I go against that because I'm like, put up your prices, even if you have a package that's like $15,000 or $25,000, whatever your package is. I think that's important because for me, when I go to a website, the first thing I want to know is how much does it cost? Because we follow a budget. We save for stuff. We, well, we don't always follow the budget. We try to follow the budget. We have a plan. Sometimes just when you really want something, especially when you have a business, you're like, investing in my business, I need to buy this. So I like to know the prices because I don't want to book a sales call or contact the company if it's going to be way out there and I cannot afford it. And it just doesn't feel good to be on a call and be like, Oh, I can't afford this. No one wants to feel like that. Or I'd rather know what I'm getting into. And so you can make it a goal to sign up for that thing. Or yeah, and they also deter so you're not doing as many sales calls. So if someone really does not have the budget at all, like they're not going to book a call. 
And so then you don't waste your time giving value to someone that was never going to hire you in the first place. That's why I choose to put prices up. But where, where are you standing with that? So yeah, I've heard both sides, like the whole don't put prices up so that there's more room to negotiate or maybe they're willing to pay more than you would even ask for. I hear that one so much. And they're like, well, you need to know what their yearly revenue is. And if it's a billion dollar company, well, you should charge them more. I'm like, I don't know, maybe we're just fair. Maybe it's because <laughs> I have three siblings and my mom was like, try to be fair everyone i'm not gonna play that game and negotiate i'm not gonna play that game and charge you more just because you're a multi-million dollar company mm-hmm. we have a client that does 40 million a year that's our largest client most of our clients are a lot smaller but 40 million a year for our seo services and what we do for them and their pack is the same price and the same thing that we do for a small client They don't need a giant, huge SEO package for where they are. They've been around for forever. Their their reputation is great, but they need just a small SEO package. But just because they make more money, I'm like, no, I'm not going to charge them more. People are like, you could have like a $10,000 retainer. I'm like, no, maybe other companies do that. I don't think that's cool. I don't know. Yeah. And then like what you were saying kind of on the other side is there are a couple options for pricing. You could either you know, have your packages or your a la carte pricing, whatever it might be. Or you could say like starting at whatever, because like you said, if you're booking calls, so for example, I'll just use me as an example. So I started a podcast production agency and the packages start at a thousand dollars. Well, say someone that's over their budget, maybe they can only do 500 or something. Well, I don't, really want to waste anyone's time you know what I mean it's helpful to at least because I have different price points depending on what they need that's the main price but then like if they want additional stuff like help with the guest booking and things of that nature help with ads and stuff then that's an additional so between saying starting at or actually having your package pricing or a la carte pricing all laid out which of those two options would you recommend So what I like in your case is having three package. Okay, so you can have Mm -hmm. three and you may already have this. You may already have your three versions of your podcast production. And like we said, it's starting at $1,000 and that Mm -hmm. package one or maybe that's package number two because you have a smaller one. But I don't know. I think having three packages for someone to choose from. So like for our SEO And the whole naming thing is something new. Like I gave our packages a cool name. So we also have a thousand dollar per month package. So that package I say is called get on page one of Google. Mm. That's package one. That's what our clients want. They want to get on page one of Google because if they can do that, they're going to get more website traffic. Package number two is $1,500. That's called get on Google Maps three pack. Well, package one That's part of that strategy. And the only difference between package number one and package number two is we're doing more content. We're getting more content put out. And so it could help them rank. Hopefully quicker would be the goal. But it's $500 difference. The name and what I discovered is people, that's what they really want. Mm -hmm. I was selling, I didn't know this because we've been seven years, but I just made up these names, I think two years ago. But I was, when I started doing this, 
And I also applied StoryBrand. They have this proposal made simple course in their business made simple courses platform. And I applied that to our proposals. So that's part of where it's three options comes from that too. But I applied their copywriting strategy for proposals. I named the packages. Then the month I launched that, four people signed up for the $1,500 a month package. I really believe that it's because I gave them three options. Before that, everyone always bought the cheaper package. I would rarely mm. sell anything for $1,500 of the $2,500 package. Rarely ever. When I added those names, mm-hmm. and then I guess the proposal, but I don't know, our proposal is long. Do people even read the whole thing? I don't know. They even read it. I think I really believe it was just creating those names and it was identifying what that person wanted. Mm-hmm. And I titled that as the package. And then, yeah, it was like, boom, boom, boom. Now, rarely, now people sign up for the 1500 and the 2500 frequently. Mm-hmm. Rarely does someone do a $1,000 one. They're like, no. But nothing else changed of what we serve. It was just the name. Mm, interesting. So I love... Do you have cool names? I did check out your website and your packages and stuff. But the names, yeah. Yeah, so I've changed it up a little bit. So now I might go back to that. So I had three packages and I called one monthly management, which was the $1,000 one. Then marketing, which basically was management plus marketing. And I think that was 1500 and then for 2000 was the monetization. So it was three M's. Three M's. Yeah. Because like I'm really big on alliteration. So it's like each package had the management side of it, all the production, editing, and all that stuff. But then the other two had additional stuff. But then I was like, okay, well, what if I just did one base package, the management one? And then just had these a la carte add-ons like the guest management and booking for 500 and then running ads another 500 or something. I don't know. So I'm kind of going back and forth between having three packages and figuring out where things go or having one package, but then having those add-ons. We've done it both ways. I mean, we, we do SEO. We're doing something different than you, but I think it can still go along for you too. I think you are the expert. You know what your clients need. And sometimes your clients come to you and they're like, this is my only budget. So yeah, you're going to have to remove some services if they can't afford the whole package. But you know what they need in each three of those packages. And you know, if they're missing one of them, it could make your job and your life and your team just be more headache. It could cause production to slow down. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing here of what is it like to have you talking business? But that's just what I've seen is that you're the expert. And when you have been doing something for a while and you've worked, and I don't know, each industry is probably different. I know for like sales pages, they say you need to have 100 people go to your landing page to really know, does that page convert? So does that mean you need to have 100 clients? We haven't had 100 clients over the past seven years. We have a small team, but we know what works and we worked with multiple industries. And so I think that would be the same for you too. You know what package works. And when you're confident that this is the package, this is going to get you the result. I just think if you have the tangible results of what is it going to be and why do people want your podcast? They want to most of the time make money. They want to help more people. Whatever that need is that they want, 
maybe play around with some kind of name for that, but still keep your three M's. I think that's cool, but maybe do it for like the outcome of what they get when they do that. And like the outcome to get on page one of Google, that takes nine months on average for SEO. It's a long term strategy. But for what you said, the management stuff, Mm -hmm. we do Google ads as well. I don't have cool names for that, but as I'm talking to you, I'm like, I can come up with better (laughs) names instead of like monthly management fee, monthly ad spend and your monthly management fee. I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. But yeah, it is kind of scary when you do pick a result that you're promising because you want to have integrity and fulfill on that. I just worked with a coach recently that gave a guarantee and he just kept extending more months to work with him because I wasn't getting the results. None of his other clients were getting the results. And then I finally, I'm like, I'm just going to pull the plug here. You guarantee this didn't work. We'll just part ways. This strategy is not working and let's go and pull the plug. But I would have liked to refund or partial or something for that. But I was like, you know what? I should have done better research and interviewed other clients and done my better due diligence to make sure mm. there was result from mm. different people. So that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, that's some pretty good advice. I appreciate it. And you mentioned Google ads. I'm kind of curious. So for someone who's on a tight budget doing their own Google ads, do you have any tips or suggestions on how to get the most you know, mileage out of your ad dollar? A Google ads, depending on the industry, it can be really expensive to do Google ads. It'd be like, Click $25, click $25, click $25. And a lot of people don't even realize that those first three spots when you Google something is typically an ad. They think it's just Google. So then you you click. So I try to never click on the first three because I'm like, I don't want this person to get charged. Like I'm going to scroll down and click on their website that's down below. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so I scroll down, but most people don't know that. So you could do that. So I, I say, depending on if... Your sales aren't consistent and you really need the cash flow. Google ads is great. Like Google ads, when someone is going on Google, they're going there to solve a problem. They're searching for a solution to their problem they're having right now. They're trying to fix a leak. They want to buy a home. They're trying to solve a problem, but they also want to do some research. That's where Google is great. People are on Facebook because they're bored or they're just want to be entertained and scroll through or they're on Instagram and there's ads being shown all the time on Facebook and Instagram. But people on those platforms, like if you have something really cheap, less than $30, you could do an ad and someone buy something over there. But if you're selling a service or you're a consultant, even online courses on Facebook or ads, it's like you have to send them to a free offer, mm-hmm. but then you have to take them through a whole funnel of getting them on a call and most people don't get on a call. Google ads, if you have something that will help solve someone's problem right now, you have rodents in your backyard and a lot of local businesses. But I mean, there are, I see for story brand guides and business made simple coaches like myself, I see people like that are running ads for their city and their story brand keyword. And so then they're showing up before the story brand website, Donald Miller's Mm -hmm. website. Oh, because they're running ads. So cheap ways, most of the time we have clients frequently that are like, okay, I hear Google ads are working amazing. Can we switch from SEO to Google ads? And they always think it's going to be cheaper to do Google ads. But from out of all the local businesses that we've worked with, 
I've never seen, and your people may not be local, maybe online, but I've never seen a lot of success or being able to really test someone unless you're spending a thousand dollars a month. So that is a lot of money to test things out. Same thing as with Facebook. My coach I worked with is like $20 a day was the minimum to test things out for six day period. And if it started convert and you were able to get leads for $5, less than $5 a lead to opt into your free offer, then you keep paying that. But $20 a day, you get up to over $1,000 really quickly. That's what I've really seen on Facebook and Google ads, $1,000. So that's what I said. The first strategy, free Google business profile, pick a content platform. If you like to talk or you like to write, pick one of those. And it's a longer term strategy for SEO, but I think it's worth it. And yeah, it's just, it can be really expensive. You can lose money, you could do it wrong and it's really technical. But if you have nonprofits that listen to this or you're thinking about starting a nonprofit, you guys can get a Google grant, $10,000 for free Oh, wow. Google to spend on Google ads. That's so all nonprofits can apply for this. So that is a really cool strategy for nonprofits. And I rarely hear of any nonprofit that knows about churches <laughs> can do it too. Churches wow. apply for Google Grants and any nonprofits. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I know some people who have nonprofits, so I'm going to tell them that tomorrow, actually. Yes. Tell them I've shared it. Yeah. Go- yeah. Have Google Google Grants and sign up for just, it. So just Google Google Grants and then, okay, awesome. Yeah, you apply and I've never heard of anyone not getting accepted to the program. Oh, interesting. Wow. That's really cool. Makes me kind of wish I had a, a nonprofit. No, I'm just kidding. But it's so funny. Very hard to spend all ten thousand dollars for a nonprofit. So ten thousand will take you a long, a long way. Oh, you have to really it. get creative with keywords you're going after and your ad. Maybe for like a lawyer, it could be seventy dollars for a click for an oh, like wow. injury lawyer or something. So each business is a different. There's just different costs, and each day the cost per click changes. So. Because hmm. they're bidding for those. And if it's really competitive, they want to make more money. So they charge you hmm. more of those. So I'd probably say most people don't do them. And yeah, I'm kind of anti-Facebook ads right now too. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we do Google ads because for some businesses, they really need it. They need mm-hmm. those leads to come in and it's a lower cost per click. But mm-hmm. so it works because the service they're selling can make up the difference. It just makes sense. Ads are kind of weird right now. That makes me wonder, do you have a suggestion for what percentage of your average monthly income? What percentage of that would you recommend then reinvesting back into ads, whether it's Google ads, Facebook ads, whatever? I'd say I think it's better to hire someone like you that could do the service for you versus an ad. Like hiring. So if your people are on social media, Hire social media agency to up your game. If your people are on LinkedIn, hire an assistant to DM people on LinkedIn and reach out. I think that's a better place to invest than spending money just on ads. Because I really think these days with marketing, the organic stuff is working really well. So um, something that I've been doing recently is doing more group webinars. Mm -hmm. And really, it's like a group sales call. I'm teaching, I'm educating, and then I give a little pitch for two or five minutes at the very end. Mm -hmm. And I charge like 
$19. Like it's very affordable and they leave with templates. They'd be leaving with that. They would be leaving with, had taken action. They know what they're going to do next. They paid a little fee. So they actually show up for it. It's not just mm -hmm. free. I think people really want, since we're, so many of us are working from home, they want that in-person touch that they want access to you. And I think that's working out so much better. And I, I do texting people too. When people mm -hmm. opt in, I have a two-way texting platform that I use. Well, it's not my cell phone number, <laughs> texting, <laughs> but I'm using that. And because I say, hey, this is Liz, not a bot. Mm. You know, and eventually once I get it all down myself, I'll switch to have someone on our staff do it. So then me texting once I figure out how to communicate or make it flow. But I say, hey, it's really me. And they're like, it's really you. It's not a bot. So people mm -hmm. are just so surprised. And so I think it's that's the kind of feel like when you send a message like on Instagram and it's a, a voice message and they're like, it's really you. You read this. You answered it. I think people really appreciate that. But with the ads, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you get that. You could. I guess you could get that if you really are wanting to drive traffic quickly to a page. But the other thing that's tricky about ads is you have to write the copy for your ad. You have to target the right audience. For Google ads, you have to pick the right keywords. And then if where you're sending them the landing page, you have to get them to convert there. So there's so many different gaps and things you have to figure out versus sending a message or writing a blog or recording a podcast. I think you could get feedback a little quicker easily. What do you think? What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, that paid webinar idea sounds interesting because I've heard of what people have been doing webinars forever. But so would you call that a webinar or would you use a different word like masterclass? Master, yeah, I've been calling them masterclasses. So I used to call one of them website that books calls. Because most of the service businesses we work with, um, we have some brick and mortars, but a lot of them are service. Mm -hmm. So they have a service that they're selling, consultation that they do. So to sell their package, they need to either do a free consult or if it's a doctor, a paid first patient visit. So, but typically do that, you need to get on a call with mm -hmm. them. And so I had the package it was called Website That Books Calls. Website that books calls really did not convert very well. So I changed huh. it. Website that converts. Boom. The name change of people sign up for it. <laughs> I shared this. I had two minutes to pitch to this Facebook group. There was about 30 of us pitching to this Facebook group that evening. I think at that time, there's about 100 people. There was 200 in the beginning. I went on at the end. So people like left. They didn't want to keep hearing <laughs> people for like an hour. And so I went on. So there's only about 100 people left and 14 people signed up for it on mm. that call for $19. And that I was like, oh, that name worked. Okay. I had 100 people <laughs> on here. They heard me pitch. Okay. Because I said, oh, you need to have about 100 that either hear your pitch, they go to your landing page and it resonated for 14. And then people watched the replay and then 19 people ended up signing up for it. So that worked. So the $19 thing. I didn't make that up myself. So I saw another person did it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I like that. And you get paid a little bit for your time. Mm -hmm. Not your normal hourly, depending on how many people show up. But I think people are more serious. And more likely to show up. Yeah. Yeah. And 100% 100 showed up. 
Mm. I mean, when does that happen? Yeah. When does hundred percent of people show up to a webinar or masterclass? Never. Yeah, exactly. So that I think something that's something new that I think could be something interesting to do. So I pitched a three hundred dollar package, like a little, a little one. But I wish I would have just pitched a sales call, like book a one on one <laughs> call with me, you know, and I'll review what you worked on today and we'll, we'll book in two weeks. So it'd be like a review call, kind of like a follow-up one-on-one, but then it would be also to talk about our services. So I think that that's the only thing I would have changed from that last one that I did. So I was still testing it out. So when you're talking about like the book a call, is that thing that you recommend people adding to their website to get more clients? Is that kind of a button on there that says that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So on your homepage, I believe you need to have a cont or you need to have a button like seven times on your homepage. Whatever is the direct call to action, the number one thing you want people to do when they come to your website. So if you're an Etsy store, you want people to buy from you. So be your shop. Buy now. If you're a consultant or you sell a service, in then you would most likely want to get on a phone call with them. Now, a mistake that I made when I was first going online is everyone was doing list building. So I have my free offer button up everywhere. However, sometimes people are not willing to give you their email address right when they come to your website. So, and I had a coach I worked with from LA. I talk about this all the time. And I have her paper right here <laughs> in my desk because well, we're referring to when I tell, teach people a strategy. I do not make it up, but she talks about having a, you either have a call me business. So if you're a call me business, number one is, this is Marisa Morgaturi. <laughs> I don't know who, who it is, but she says a call me business. If you make less than 50000 per year, you're a call me business number one. Like it's a startup. You know, it's still a side hustle. Like you're just getting started. You probably don't even know exactly what your customers really want because you just haven't worked with enough enough people yet. Then you could have a call me business number two, which is up to $250,000 per year. So she recommends you still get on phone calls. And I don't know if she still teaches this because this is from like 2012 or something a way long time ago. But I it just impacted me. So you could still do a half a million or a million dollars and still be getting on the phone, but you probably have like a sales team at that point. She says like, really, you should not be a list building website where it's like the only access to you is they have to be on your email list. Like that's the only access they can get. And then she says you could start doing that if you make over six figures a year. But when you switch to only list building, same thing with ads. You have to have your sales funnels dialed in, the emails they get after opting into that free thing. You have to like, be so engaging with your subject lines, the emails, the steps to get them to buy what you have to offer or come to your webinar if that's how you're selling or however you're selling whatever your course is. There's so complicated and you have to keep tweaking it. And there's so many ways to fail doing that versus on a phone call, you can identify all their objections. You can see if you even want to work with them. Or if they're not good to work with, you just get a feeling. So um, you can identify everything when it's, when you're just only looking at list building, all you see is, did they open up the email? Did they click your link? You don't know why they did or didn't do something. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty tricky. 
to do that. But I see people do that a lot because they're like, I want a passive income business. I want to be a coach or a course creator and it's all going to work. And I just, I see, because I've been doing in this world since 2009 or yeah, 2009. So I just see a lot of failure. So I say hire someone like you that can help guide you and do work for you. Don't just hire a coach. Hire someone to do the work for you with your hard work cash. Mm -hmm. I hired lots of coaches. And so that's what I learned is I wish I would have hired more agencies or people that had all the knowledge. Yeah, they're more expensive, but they're going to know exactly what to do really quick. Yeah. And I like that you pointed out that to not just or primarily focus on list building because you don't usually hear that. Like most people are like, you got to focus on your email list and all this stuff. But you know, I've been reading, I think it's Marketing Made Simple or Business Made Simple. I don't know. One of the Donald Miller books. And he was talking about how you should have two buttons. Kind of like what so you're right call to action and a transitional call to action. Yeah. That's your free offer. So you have two buttons. Yes. Okay. So you can still have your list building button, but also have the option to get started immediately with a call or whatever it might be. Yes. Yes. And then depending on like for a realtor, you could have, or if you have like three services, like the realtors have buyers, sellers, investors. So you could have those buttons that take you to other pages that takes you to the specific content that your audience is looking for. But I really don't like to see, so that would be like five different buttons mm-hmm. with different text on it. But I really don't like seeing that. It just, it just isn't clear. It's confusing. What do you want me to do when I go to your website? But yeah, when you have those two buttons, most of the time I only put the transitional call to action or recommend at the very bottom of the website. It's like they scroll down your whole website and they did not schedule a call. So you could put there, but you could also put maybe like two buttons over the, your direct call to action and your transitional call to action. You could put those over like the photo at the top, the header. Mm-hmm. What is it called? The header. Yeah. Uh-huh. But up there. So you could have that there, or I've been seeing lots of people put like a little skinny bar at the top too, or mm-hmm. pop up. Delete, get out of here. <laughs> There's so many different things. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's the places when you get on a phone call. And so we use Calendly, mm-hmm. me personally, and with Calendly, I can connect all my calendar appointments into my active campaign. That's my email marketing oh, system. Okay. So it's connected depending on which calendar link someone signs up with. They can be getting different emails based on what I'm doing with them. And then I have a link that does not connect to my active campaign. And that's where it's like a network. Like I'm just doing a call, like strategy session for a friend. So they're not going to get sales emails from me or anything like that. So <laughs> I really like Calendly and the integrations on there makes things really easy. That is interesting. I didn't realize that, that you could connect it to, and I don't know what email providers all it connects to, but that, that you can have get segmented that if they sign up for a certain type of call, then they get certain emails. That's really interesting. Yeah, you, so you tag them. Yeah, you set it up and it, I think it would work with MailChimp. I mm-hmm. don't, our clients have all different email servers, mm-hmm. but I'm not normally doing the work on them. Yeah. <laughs> I can like click around, film a video on what you need to do and all that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I, yeah, all that's really good. Yeah, when you were owning your own business, it's like you need to be efficient. And yeah, that's, I think that's what you do. Like, I'm sure you have so many strategies around podcasting. The average person would have no clue, but you've been doing this. You know exactly what to do to get mm-hmm. the results that your clients want and to make their life easier. 
Right, exactly. One last question I did have for you is that you had mentioned that you work with your husband. And I'm wondering what that's like to work with a spouse or really maybe any relative. Yeah, so we, it was very, very hard in the beginning, but this was my dream. I I always wanted to work with my spouse and I was engaged before and they didn't have that same dream. And I, I don't know, I just, I just knew eventually I would want to work with my spouse and, you know, not be building two separate businesses or they're gone at work all day and I don't know. So when we launched Rebel Fish Local, I did have my fitness business for that first six months or so. Maybe it was the first year before I closed it down because I was like, it's too hard to build two different companies. And he really needs me to be working in the business and helping grow the company. And so that's how we're able to get to six figures and reoccurring revenue so quickly. I think it was really just like letting go of that. But yeah, it was really, really hard in the beginning because both of us, we were entrepreneurs before. We both worked brick and mortars and he had built businesses up, sold them. He had done well in different industries. So we were used to doing our own thing. So then to come together and have this dual relationship where you're married mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be a team for, we pretty much always have a counselor to help us <laughs> through everything. That's part of our budget. There's so many dynamics when you're in business together and your personalities are different and the way you make decisions and how do you be gentle and kind. They know everything about you. You would never treat your employees or a contractor, but then it's like your spouse. And so you have to watch that sometimes. But yeah, right now we've done really well. I'd say working together for three years out of the seven, (laughs) the past three, the first five was hard. And that's why we yeah, we really want to help more couples, you know, learn to work together and thrive and then more families to work together because it is hard and you really have to know how to communicate well and know, know each other's personalities, I think is really important. It's like I like StrengthsFinder. That's the one I like the best of the personality tests. I've learned all of them, but I like that one the best. And they have this book called Strengths Leadership. And then that book helps you learn how to lead well your team or your spouse if you know their strengths so yeah i so yeah i really like it i and i promote it and yeah we'll be having more content coming out for couples that work together so we'll be under Mm. the hashtag local business love so that will be that'll be something that's the new project i'm working on this quarter so yeah we're quarter two now that's the new project oh wow okay so that's the thing before we started recording that you were talking about that you've started working on yeah, so that's that's what I'm shifting my focus to. So I'm pulling back seven years. We've really grown our company and I I don't have to hustle as much. We have these efficiencies that we put in place. My husband can and our team can maintain our current level of clients. We are content. Like we feel like it's plenty. We don't have to keep building and growing. And it's like I I feel like it's a time to like be content and just really take care of who we have now. And so I'm pulling back on my normal roles mm-hmm. of doing all this marketing and sales work and all this stuff that I really just want to focus on helping like just create content through podcasts, doing interviews like this, and just pulling back. We want to have kids too. And so I think that's what I'm getting ready for. <laughs> so there's yeah. that space and time. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, podcasting. I thought podcasting was 
what's next for us and helping out these couples that want to work together. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'll have to look into that when that gets launched. Yeah. Anyone listening, if you work with your spouse, I would love to chat with you. Or yeah. encourage you if you're really struggling and I wanted to quit many times. Mm-hmm. But I just take a little break and then I'm like, okay, let's fix this. <laughs> Counseling. Okay, we're good to go now. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And people can find you at lizcortez.com. That's C-O-R-T-E-S.com. And then you also have at rebelfishlocal.com forward slash five dash hacks. Yes, that is our free mini course. So that's where I go deep into Google business profile. <laughs> Has the old name in there, but it's still pretty much the same. That's where I do a deep dive of that and how I give you a 90 day strategy to help you start to get closer to ranking on page one in Google. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to take that course then. Yeah. Let me know if you get stuck on anything and how to apply it to more of like online business. But I go into kind of talking about both in there. But yeah, take it. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's, I like that course. And then I'll also have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash Liz. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah. That was fun. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack. Connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.